Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Let's jump straight in. Tech Guide. This was a real effort to push into that growing consumer space, very competitive space in Australia. It does give the user plenty of options, whether you're working or viewing content on the device. Keeping you updated and educated. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. Knowing Apple, you just don't know what to expect. They've gone from taking an excellent device and they've made it even better. It's had a redesign inside and out. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 196. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and, more importantly, educated about the latest consumer news, products, and opinions. Thanks for listening and thanks for downloading once again. And if you're listening for the first time, we're happy to have you on board. My name is Stephen Fennick and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au, a handy website. You should check it out. On this week's show, is the tablet market in trouble? LG announces pricing and availability for its G5 modular smartphone and Microsoft calls it quits with the Xbox 360. In the Tech Guide reviews, we run our eye over the new Sony 4K HDR TVs. We check out the Samsung Galaxy Tab Pro S Windows 10 tablet, and we also road test the Alcatel GoPlay waterproof smartphone. And we'll close it out with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. Lots to get through, so let's jump straight in. Well, the tablet market uh, really kicked off back in 2010. I think the launch of the iPad, uh, I was actually at the announcement in San Francisco in January when Steve Jobs got up on stage and, and unveiled the very first iPad. That was January 2010. I think it didn't hit the market in Australia till May. I think it was released in the, in the US in April, back in 2010. And I I placed that as the birth of the tablet market, the the tablet market we know today. And the it has from that time grown. Uh, the market's gotten bigger. The the value of the market's gotten bigger. So many new devices now available. But the surprise is that according to Telsite. And their tablet market study, the tablet market is actually down. It's actually dropped for the second year in a row. And the 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 number of tablets sold in twenty fourteen was at three point eight million. And that this is in Australia. Twenty fifteen, a year later, it reached three point one million units. And that, that's actually a fall of 18%. So it's dropped from two years in a row. The market has, has dropped a little bit further. But the good news, according to Telsite, is that 2016 is the year where it picks up again. Now, the market is going to improve because we customers are looking, first of all, for a new tablet. Because you've got to remember, not everyone buys a tablet every year. It's not like a phone that's updated as often. Uh, like phones are probably a year, 18 months. Tablets, they tend to last a bit longer. And so we're talking two, three, possibly even four years with uh, people using the same tablet. But what we're expecting this year, well, this is according to Telsite, is that the view of tablets has changed. People this year, when they go out to look for a tablet, 
aren't just looking for a device that's just going to be a, a device to use apps and, and to browse the web and just to do those really easy things. This time around, the tablet that customers are looking for are more like the two-in-one laptop replacement quality tablets. There's a lot of those on the market. Uh, I've reviewed one. We'll talk about it later in the show, the Samsung Galaxy Tab Pro S. But there's also, of course, the Microsoft Surface Pro 4. We've seen now the addition of the 9.7 iPad Pro to the 12.9-inch iPad Pro. So we've got, come up with these super tablets that are that are now more than just a tablet. They, they can have keyboards attached, can take the place of your laptop. They are the hero products that are going to rescue the tablet market. So we're expecting a lot more from our tablets. Now, Apple's continue their dominance in the tablet market. They actually, from 2014 to 2015, actually increased from a 47% share to 48.7% share. The big mover, though, in the tablet space, and this goes back to what I was saying a moment ago about people looking to get more out of their tablets, the big winner here, the big improver is Microsoft. They've almost doubled their market share 2014 to 2015, from 8.2% in 2014, they've jumped all the way up to 15.6% in 2015. Now, reason for that is because of the Surface Pro 3. Now we're into the Surface Pro 4. So these premium tablets, laptop replacement tablets, that's really injected. Uh, it's been a shot in the arm for Microsoft and really pushed them up the ladder. Android, on the other hand, has actually dropped from... 2014, they had a massive 44.8% market share. Now, that's plummeted in 2015 to 35.7%. And the reason for that drop, you've got to remember that a lot of the tablets, uh, Android tablets, were, were on the cheaper side. So that, that can account for the fact that uh, people aren't, aren't buying new tablets. Android, Android market shares dropped as a result. But the other reason is that, and this is Telsite's thoughts on it, is the fact that there hasn't really been a hero Android product. They're, they're, we've seen the iPad Pro come along and really push that along. We've seen the Surface Pro come along and give Windows a boost. But Android, there, there really isn't a hero workhorse laptop replacement style tablet in that space so they're kind of as the song goes they're holding out for a hero they're waiting for this this tablet to arrive now samsung's been the dominant android tablet manufacturer uh for for years now even the dominant smartphone manufacturer when in android as well but what do they do this year with their their super tablet they've released a windows 10 tablet so uh that's another reason why android may suffer either a stagnant year or maybe even drop even further in their market share that's not to say android tablets uh, are going anywhere there, there was plenty of them around and you get plenty of value too there's a lot of cheaper tablets as well but uh it's an interesting time with uh the the tablet market not only uh is it going to grow in 2016 but the interesting thing about 2015 despite it, the, the number of tablets sold in Australia falling, the actual segment saw a 2% increase in revenue. And this is due to the price increases and the movement towards those more expensive tablet products that I was talking about, those premium tablets. 
the tablet space, a very, very interesting one. And as I said, we're going to be talking a little later in the show about the Samsung Galaxy Tab Pro S, which is a fine little tablet. But in the meantime, if you uh, want to read more about that story, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. On the smartphone front, we uh, the L- LG just made an announcement about the G5. Now, the G5 phone, we saw, we laid eyes on it for the very first time back in Barcelona, back in February, and it was a... The device was it caused quite a stir because it was it was a a unibody type phone, but it did have the ability to replace the battery. And everyone thought, well, how the hell are you going to do that? It's a unibody phone. How's that going to work? Well, what we've seen is that the device actually has a removable bottom chin. You know, the the base of the phone actually comes off, uh, and you can actually remove the battery and also add modules to the device as well there's a you can add a camera grip which also has physical controls and an extended battery there's also a a a high-end audio a higher quality audio add-on as well uh the full review by the way of the g5 i've only just received it so i'm not really in a position to review it uh, as thoroughly as i want right now uh i will in the next episode uh, I plan on having the G5 fully reviewed by then, but just for now, I just want to let you know that it is be- it is being released into the market on May the second through Optus Stores and also through Harvey Norman, and then the very next day, May three, Telstra Stores will also be offering the G5 as well. And if you want to buy it outright, it's going to be priced at a thousand and ninety nine dollars. Now the device itself, I've got to say, looks pretty slick, and the ability though to access the battery to to change those modules uh, is a really interesting one and not only will you be able to buy the phone on that particular day but also all the additional uh, accessories and other products called the LG friends and apart from the the camera grip that I mentioned the Bang & Olufsen audio module as well that's available there's also going to be a 360 VR camera uh, a, a 360 VR headset as well. So not only can you capture the 360 images, videos, and pictures, but you can also then view them on the VR glasses, more a pair of glasses rather than a headset that you wear them like a, a big set of sunglasses. There's also a cool uh, device called the Rolling Bot. Now, this looks like a ball, and it also has a camera and a laser pointer on board. So you can pilot this rolling bot around your home, look through the camera, and also aim the laser pointer to keep your pets entertained. If you want to make the cat chase a laser pointer, you can do this remotely using the rolling bot. One of the many features, no doubt. And again, I will try to get my hands on that and include that in the review for next week. But the LG G5, it has a 5.3-inch screen. It's running Android 6.0. That's Marshmallow. It's got a quad HD screen, I should add, a 5.3 quad HD quantum display. And that's got a resolution of 2650 by 1440 and 554 PPI pixels per inch. It's got 4 gig of RAM on board, 32 gig of internal storage, and it has a micro SD card slot as well. But with our full review, uh, tune in next week for episode 197. We'll, we'll be hopefully covering the G5. It will uh, coincide that review with the actual release of the product 
which is what I like to do. But if you want to see some pictures and also see how the uh, how the modular action works on the device, you can check all of that out at techguide.com.au. Now, the some news out of Microsoft. This is really interesting. Uh, just the other day, there were some headlines saying that Microsoft have pulled the pin on the Xbox 360. Now, for a moment, I actually forgot that there was actually an Xbox One as well. And I thought, oh, my God, Microsoft's getting out of the gaming industry. But no, the Xbox One is still going to be there. The Xbox 360 is what they are issuing the death sentence for. It has been out in the market for 11 years. It was actually launched at the E3 Expo, and E3 is short for Electronics Entertainment Expo. E3, it was launched back in 2005, and I was actually at that launch in Los Angeles. It was a big deal when uh, Microsoft updated the original Xbox and unveiled the Xbox 360. It has been around for 11 years. It's achieved quite a bit and has not only helped establish gaming as not just an activity for children this this is one of the consoles those next generation consoles that uh, brought brought gaming out of the bedroom from from all the teenage boys and girls and brought it into the lounge room this was more an entertainment product uh, that sat underneath your tv it wasn't just a geeky device that you just played in your bedroom this is what established our ga- australians as being such avid gamers and drove the average age of gamers up into the 30s i think it's around 34 now is the average age of an australian gamer so uh, the M- microsoft should be very proud of this console it is no longer going to produce it. Uh, whatever stock is left in stores is the uh, only stock that's out there anymore. They are not making any more. Uh, it's 11 years on the market. It had some amazing milestones, including over 78 billion gaming hours played, 27 billion achievements unlocked, and over 25 billion hours spent in apps uh, on, on the console as well. It also uh, helped establish some pretty big gaming titles. And, and it, it Halo was around before the Xbox 360, but it certainly, uh, Halo, was, its strength as a, as a franchise title was consolidated uh, using on, on, on the Xbox 360, as was Gears of War. That was a huge title exclusive to the Xbox that really found its feet on the Xbox 360 that added uh, computing power of the uh, Xbox 360 console really made Gears of War the great game, the great series of games that it turned out to be and fans absolutely loved it. It did have, though, uh, the Xbox 360 did have its controversy, though. Do you remember the Red Ring of Death? There was a, a series of, uh, of issues where the Red Ring, like, you know, when you insert a, a game, the, the, there used to be a, an indicator light that formed a circle. And depending on the controller that you actually uh, that you synced up to the console, it would illuminate part of that circle to 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 tell you how many controllers are connected at the same time. There were four of those indicators, and if the red ring of death, those would all illuminate red, and uh, you would basically just be have you'd have a brick uh, there. There were there were some issues where Microsoft had to do some work to get over that controversy, but it certainly did that. It in in its eleven years, it had more than eighty four million. So uh, certainly a very, very successful product. And as I said, the Xbox One still going strong. That is still available. If you've got any Xbox 360 games, they are still playable on the Xbox One console through the Xbox One's backwards compatibility feature. So don't fret. 
if you've got some Xbox 360 games you want to keep playing, they will work on the Xbox One. You want to read more about that story, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenwick. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. There's lots of valuable stuff stored on your computer, whether it's family photos, videos, your tax return and work documents. But what would you do if it was all suddenly gone, encrypted and impossible to retrieve? That's ransomware. That's malware that locks you out of your own files and then demands you pay up or lose access to them forever. This is on the rise in Australia. In fact, Australia is now the most targeted country for ransomware attacks in the Southern Hemisphere. Norton Security Premium is a powerful internet security solution that can help keep you safe from ransomware by identifying and warning you against dodgy files before you click and backing up files from your PC to the cloud so you'll always have a copy if anything goes awry. To learn more about how to protect your online life, visit au.norton.com. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennett. Tech Guide. First review for this week is the new Sony 2016 Bravia range of 4K HDR televisions. Uh, Sony, I'm a big fan of their TVs and their projectors. I am a, a, a proud owner of a Sony 4K projector, as a matter of fact. Their TVs, though, are also exceptional, and this year's range is no exception. The uh, What happened this year with uh, Sony's review was they uh, invited me to their offices. They set up uh, four TVs of the new range, so I looked at the X85D, 8500D and the X9300D. Now, these are all 4K TVs and all with HDR. HDR, high dynamic range. Spoken about this before. This is a feature that you're going to see on every new TV this year. And what high dynamic range means is that you're going to see whiter whites and blacker blacks and more of whatever comes in between. So all those hidden details that regular TVs would miss, you will now see that added detail on on these new HDR TVs. And of course, there's a lot more HDR content coming as well. So uh, I understand Netflix are going to start releasing HDR content very shortly. And the new Ultra HD Blu-rays, which are also on the horizon, are also going to be HDR compatible as well. So it would it would help to have a HDR compatible television to view that content as it was meant to be seen with all that added detail, all that added brilliance that you uh, that you miss out on on a normal TV. Now Sony set me up in a room with these TVs for several hours, and I did uh, go around the features and, and I checked out. I watched a couple of movies and I did see all the the connectivity. And I have to say the new range is is incredible. They they, uh, they did have a setup there where they had the 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 top of the line model of the the X ninety three hundred D. They had a sixty five inch X ninety three hundred D valued at five thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. They had it right beside the LG, the latest 65-inch LG OLED TV. And they gave me a demo, and I thought, wow, this is pretty brave comparison because OLED, as we've discussed on the program before, is a material that is actually self-illuminating. So uh, it's not a matter of trying to block the, a backlight because there is no backlight on OLED. Pixels are either on or they're off. That's why blacks are so black and colors are so vivid 
on an OLED TV because there is no backlight control there because there is no backlight. The pixels do all the work and turn on and off whenever they need be. When they're off, they're off. That's why it's so black. But when they're on, the colors and you, you do see a, a fair more of the color depth uh, on an OLED TV. So I thought it was pretty brave for Sony to put themselves up side by side, literally side by side with, uh, with the LG OLED. And I have to say that the Sony demonstration of its HDR capabilities and its black levels were absolutely comparable to an OLED TV uh, and in some cases exceeded the OLED TV. It's in, in terms, they did show the same footage on both TVs. Both sort of had, had out-of-the-box factory settings, so they were on level playing fields. And there was actually, in some cases, not all, in some cases, the Sony TV actually had a little bit more detail thanks to that HDR. There were scenes where you thought it was actually black, but there was actually a building in the background that was visible on the Sony TV and barely visible on the LG TV. And in terms of black levels, uh, the Sony almost matched it, or in some cases did match the OLED in terms of that black level. And color reproduction, color accuracy too, that was a big thing. That was also uh, very strong on the Sony side as well. Now, the TVs, for the Sony TVs that I looked at, they're, they're in 55-inch, 65-inch models, and they, are, they, they did make a point that the X9300 is $5,999. The LG TV it was sitting next to, the 65-inch OLED, is actually 8999 So it's a $3,000 difference in price. So the Sony's $3,000 cheaper than that OLED, and it certainly performed admirably right next to it. It's not It's not often that uh, unless they're positioned next to each other in a store or it's very hard to compare them side by side, but I did get that opportunity during my examination of these Sony TVs and I've got to say, I was very, very impressed. Now, the reason for this the reason for this quality is because of all this new, the new range of TVs do have new technology on board, and it's all about controlling the backlight. Sony have got a slim backlight drive, so what the TV has has got like a grid array of backlighting that can distribute the brightness more accurately to specific areas of the screen. That's why some areas can be brightly lit and other areas can be virtually black and off. The backlights are turned off, so it does allow it can control that distribution, that contrast is uh, is controlled even further. There is a new technology called Extended Dynamic Range Pro for to enhance the contrast level. And there's also an algorithm to enhance HDR and non-HDR uh, content by dimming those areas that uses that unique algorithm to do that. And also, of course, toss in the tri-luminous display technology that's a been aboard Bravia TVs for years. It's better than ever. And what that does is expand the, the, the color range, and it just really makes the colors more warm and vibrant and also accurate. So like things like flesh tones and, 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 and scenes of nature and animals, I think they, they look real. They're, they're not sort of pumped up with artificial brightness and artificial color. It all looks quite natural. Also on board the Sony TVs is actually the Android operating system. So this provides plenty of opportunities for, for users to access content. And we're talking not only being able to browse websites and things, but also to download apps as well. So uh, if, if you if you want to play a game, you can download it straight from the Google Play Store or straight off the, 
Bravia TV, and you, you can hook up your your controller and you can play some games. Of course, you can hook up your PlayStation and you can use the PlayStation controller to control some of those games as well. Uh, it also allows you to use Chromecast. So now, a, a non-Android TV needs actually the separate $59 Chromecast, but because Android's built into the TV, uh, it has Chromecast built in, so there's no need to hang a dongle out the back of the television because it's running the Android system. It's just there. So if you want to cast a YouTube video or uh, some photos or whatever you want to, some music even, you can cast that straight to the TV right from your device. Now, the the, the TVs themselves, the, the actual um, the, the menu system and the remote control, I was actually quite impressed with the remote control, is it's all it's almost sealed it, it looks it feels like it, it's uh all a rubberized button so it's a it's a sealed device rather than having buttons uh that actually are not a level with the with the top of the remote control i'm not describing this very well but it it it, it look it, it makes the way that remote control was put together it looks like so if, if you spilt something on it the liquid would run right off a traditional remote control with normal buttons the liquid would go inside the remote control it, it is a sealed remote control which is a smart move on sony's behalf because how often have you had a little spill on the remote control might get wet you might be drinking a cup of tea or having a drink or having a beer or whatever and you might spill something on the remote i know i've done it with the new sony remote that's not an issue from the remote too is really cool voice control as well and surprisingly accurate voice control i was very impressed uh, I did in my testing. I, I just asked questions. I said, show me movies starring Sylvester Stallone or show me movies starring Kate Blanchett, and up, up they came. So it was. it's a really easy way to navigate, uh, whether it's content you're looking for or you just want to find out what's decent on TV. You might say, show me the latest sci-fi movies, and uh, the Google Play Store pops up, and you can see all of that there. On the, on the rear side of the TV... Sony has actually taken some time to, uh, to have, ta- have added a feature so you can manage the cables even easier. So if you want to mount this on the wall, and that is a possibility with this TV, uh, there is a special accessory that makes mounting it even easier, like hanging a painting on the wall. And it is quite a slim TV as well. The design is really nice so that it's only about like three point three and a half, three and a half centimetres off the wall. So it can be a, a beautiful addition whether you want to put it on a stand or mount it on the wall. The Sony Bravia TVs, the X9300D starts at uh, $3,999 for the 55-inch, $5,999 for the 65-inch. The 8500D, and, and what it lacked from the 9300 was a couple of those HDR features. It does have HDR, but the enhancement features uh, weren't there. So um, the, the extended dynamic range pro is uh, what the feature that's missing off the X8500D. And they start at 2999 for the 55-inch all the way up to the 85-inch, which is 14000 $999. The Sony 2016 range of 4K HDR Bravia TVs are really, really nice televisions, and I highly recommend you take a look at them in the store. They are arriving late April, early May. Definitely worth checking out, as is the story about them at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. 
All right, next up, we're talking tablets. I know we've already mentioned about the the tablet market and what it's been doing over the last couple of years, but one of the products that's going to give it a bit of a shot in the arm that's really going to bounce it back into uh, into the positive uh, growth area is the Samsung Galaxy Tab Pro S. Now, this is Samsung's journey into the Windows 10 world. Now, this is a device that's both a tablet and it's also a laptop replacement. The 12-inch device has a, a tremendous Super AMOLED screen, as you'd expect from Samsung. It also has the same sort of design language as their great Samsung, as the great Galaxy smartphones as well. It's got the, the silver edging and the nice curves, and it does feel like quality when you pick it up in your hand. It's interesting, though, to see. Obviously, terrific design, really thin as well. It's only 6.3 millimeters thick, weighs just 620 grams. So you knew that Samsung is going to deliver a beautiful looking product. But the motivation for entering this market is an interesting one. I think that the I think customers who are maybe looking for that laptop replacement, they they because it, it the Samsung I think felt that they should offer Windows as that laptop operating system because not many tablet, not many laptops run Android. Let's face it. So I think Samsung, interesting how they journeyed down the Windows 10 path, and have offered this type of device. What I find interesting is that oh, it's a no-brainer. Of course, Microsoft are going to offer a Windows 10 uh, tablet in the form of the Surface Pro 4. And on the other side of the fence, you got Apple offering the iPad Pro, running iOS, of course. Now, what I find interesting is that Microsoft. They have companion devices. They've, they've got the Lumia smartphones also running Windows 10. So if you own a Surface Pro 4 and you own a Lumia, there's a little bit of con- connectivity there, a bit of continuity there. If you're an Apple customer, you've got the iPad Pro running iOS and you might have an iPhone also running iOS. So you, at least you're working on your mobile devices. You're working in the same operating system, the same environment. What I find interesting here is that Samsung are offering this laptop replacement with Windows 10, but they don't have a Windows 10 smartphone. They've got, of course, the Galaxy smartphones, the S7, the S7 Edge, running Android. And what they've done to bridge that gap is introduce a new feature called Samsung Flow. And what it basically does, it allows you to secure your tablet with your phone's fingerprint. So once Samsung Flow is on both devices and they're they're synced and connected, you can unlock your Windows tablet using the fingerprint reader on your Samsung Galaxy S7 or S7 Edge. You can also get things like text message notifications and reply to text messages and other notifications. Not a bad little feature, but it's not like you can transfer files and and data, which I think would have been a really useful feature for Samsung Flow. Uh, just being able to unlock your the the Tab Pro S with a fingerprint is it's a little bit of a gimmicky feature. But I think Samsung wanted to have a, a relationship between their smartphones and the Galaxy Tab Pro S as well. Now, what comes with the de- with the uh, device is a keyboard cover. That's something you've got to pay for with your Surface Pro 4. That's extra. But Samsung, throw that in. That's included in, in, the, uh, in the box. You get this magnetic snap-on cover. 
It has a uh, magnetic catch where the bottom of the tablet sits into place. The back of the tablet is also magnetized, so you can uh, the, the the case cover stands upright. It, it gives you that access to that keyboard. There are two positions you can you can actually have it up steeper in the viewing angle, or maybe a little bit lower in the typing angle. So that gives you a couple of options there. Uh, the device itself, as I said, really thin, really light, but to keep that svelte look to the device, I think Samsung made some sacrifices. And by that, I mean there is no normal USB port, unlike the Surface Pro 4, which does have a USB. So if I've got a USB drive with data on it, I can plug that into the Surface Pro 4 and away I'll go. If I wanted to do that on the Galaxy Tab Pro S, no such luck. The only USB port is the new USB-C port which uh, if I did have a USB drive and I wanted to connect it to something physically, I'd have to get an adapter. It's the same USB-C port that you'll find on the MacBook, Apple's MacBook. So that is both the power, the way to power the device, transfer data, stream content, all through that one port. Now, if you're charging the device and you want to get data on it, physically then you're going to have to wait or get an adapter that gives you one connection and then allows you to connect uh, a, a normal USB another USB-C and so on so you can access it but that's just additional money you need to spend uh, I think people who are looking for a laptop replacement may may favor a device that's got a real USB port a normal USB 3 port for example there was also no memory card slot which I really found interesting that really disappointed me that there wasn't a, a micro SD card slot at least and this is thin enough even though it is 6.3 millimeters thick you can have room for a micro SD card slot not to be you're gonna have to be uh, you're gonna have to be satisfied with 128 gig of onboard storage a four gig of RAM and that that's what you get so uh, the, the, that I think uh, some users might might not think that's enough for them there's two versions of Windows you can go Windows 10 home or Windows 10 Pro uh, the screen itself, I mentioned, 12-inch, full HD, 2160 by 1440. Super AMOLED display, as typical of a Samsung device, looks really, really good. The Galaxy, the Samsung Flow, I've mentioned already, that, that allows you to pair your device to the Tab Pro S as well. Now, performance-wise, this is no slouch. I've got to say, it's powered by an Intel Core M processor. It's got a CPU speed of 2.2 gigahertz, up to 2.2 gigahertz. So, look, this is this is great if you're if you're doing your normal normal tasks on a, on a, on a laptop. You might do a little bit of editing. You might do uh, some PowerPoint. You might browse the web. You might do some other little uh, some some editing of a few documents and things like that. Uh, but if if your workflow tends to sort of head towards the more processor intensive tasks, like you might be a 3D animator or a heavy duty 4K video editor, then the the Tab Pro S is not going to quite cut the mustard for you in, with those really intensive tasks. I think doing something like that, I think realistically, you probably got to look to a more powerful device. Not to say that the Tab Pro S is not powerful, it's just not at that end of the spectrum. The Surface Pro 4s are available in a range of processor choices, uh, from you can go up all the way up to i7, and of course it comes with a solid price tag as well. Samsung kept it as a, a one-size-fits-all type offering, the only difference being Windows Home, 10 Home, and Windows 10 Pro, There's a couple of extra features if you're sort of using some other some other tasks that you need to complete but 
I think realistically this is kind of a a, a general entry level kind of laptop replacement. It's not going to obviously be a high end gaming laptop or really intensive. 3D editing and things like that. Although on the gaming side, one interesting feature is the fact that it can be it can be uh, you can stream games from your Xbox One, which is uh, very handy as well. Now, uh, other things I didn't like about it was the keyboard cover. While great uh, having it in the box, I did have some issues with it, and and sometimes the trackpad just didn't decide to work. And going from tablet mode, so when you take the the device off the keyboard cover, it goes into tablet mode. So in other words, the you can use the touch screen, and if you hit a a, a, a text area, text entry point, then the the keyboard comes up on the screen because it knows it's not attached to the keyboard. So you can type in things like that. That's fine. But when you go back to laptop mode, so you snap the uh, the tablet back onto the keyboard cover. It did take a little while for it to register that it was actually back in keyboard mode and none of the keys worked for a little while and I had to take the screen off and put it back on again. And, you know, it's not a deal breaker, but you expect this thing to work the first time. Sometimes it was a little frustrating to have to detach it, reattach it, so that it, it hopped back into laptop mode. Like I said, not not massive problems, but you know it's it's something you'd expect to work every single time. Yeah, look, it worked ninety eight percent of the time; it worked fine. But for those times it didn't, it was a little bit frustrating. Uh, the speakers on the product were not bad, good, not great. Don't compare to the iPad Pro. iPad Pro speakers knock these out of the park. So if you want to watch a movie on a tablet, the iPad Pro is a much better experience. Although the Samsung Tab Pro S is a, isn't a slouch. It does. It is decent. It's just not as good as the iPad Pro. So if you're using this, if you're buying this to watch movies, then I think you're, you're buying the wrong tablet. If you're buying this to be your laptop and, and to do all those things around the, the, that you need a laptop to do and also use it as a, as a tablet from time to time, then it is a very good choice. The Galaxy Tab Pro S starts at fourteen ninety nine. That's for the Windows ten Home Wi Fi only. There is the Windows ten Pro version at sixteen forty nine, and there will be, I'm told, a four G LTE version. Pricing of that has yet to be revealed. But if you want to read our entire review of the Galaxy Tab Pro S, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Now, Alcatel have uh, really been making some noise in the Australian market. They're the number three manufacturer, would you believe, in Australia, behind Samsung and behind Apple. So uh, Alcatel really making some inroads in that affordable smartphone space. And it's no wonder if, judging by this latest product, uh, it's no wonder that they are making some impressive inroads. The Alcatel Go Play, that's the latest device from Alcatel. It's a 5-inch Android smartphone, and it has a rugged construction because it is designed to go anywhere and to really handle the rough-and-tumble day-to-day use of anyone with a very active lifestyle. Now, you think about the typical user of a smartphone, uh, the most avid user of a smartphone are younger people. And what do they do? They're, they're out and about. They're doing all kinds of things. And how often have you seen a uh, younger user, I'm talking you know, teenager, early 20s, walking around with a phone that's got a cracked screen? I've seen plenty. Some of my kids are in that situation where they've dropped their phone and the screen's broken and they've got to pay for an expensive repair. Well, not so with the Alcatel Go Play. This is a rugged phone that's not only rugged, it can handle a drop from one and a half meters, it's also waterproof. 
So it can handle all of those things that can that, that can result in expensive repairs on other more expensive phones. I'm talking iPhones and all these other devices at the top of the line that aren't cheap. If you drop them, you, they, the screens break. They're not waterproof, so if you dunk them, drop a glass of water on them or drop them in the toilet, whatever happens to them, they are dead. Not so with the Alcatel Go Play. It can handle all of that. It's waterproof. You can take it down to to the depth of uh, a meter. It is also shockproof. I already mentioned one and a half meters. It can handle a drop from there. And this means that the device, so you don't need to buy a separate case as you would with those other phones, which aren't cheap, by the way. The uh, Alcatel Go Play has a, a SIM card slot. It's also got a micro SD card slot, so it does have expandable memory. All the ports are all covered with these watertight doors, so your headphone jack, the USB charging port, the SIM card tray, the micro SD card slot, all are covered and protected with these little watertight little seals. And uh, just to prove that it is waterproof, there is a picture on my uh, my review on Tech Guide of it in a vase, uh, and it's halfway dunked in the vase. You can see that it's still operating underwater. On the camera side, it's got an 8-megapixel rear camera, a 5-megapixel front camera. And I've got to say, I was su- pleasantly surprised by the quality of the cameras, which both, by the way, work underwater. So if you want to have some creative photography, uh, the Alcatel GoPlay can certainly provide that experience for you. Now, what is the best part of this? The best part is that it's only $299. That's right. $1 change out of 300 bucks, you get a waterproof smartphone that's also shockproof. It's also available in five colors. This is a fun product designed for younger users or older users who just like getting out there, don't want to treat their device with kid gloves. They wanted a product that can keep up with them, keep up with their active lifestyle. The Alcatel Go Play is just that product. The five color options, yellow and lime green, white and orange, red and black, which is what we had for our review, black and gray, and orange and blue. Really colorful, really nice. And what I like about it too, it's running Android 5.0, so it's an older operating system, but there's no... it's very uncluttered, very clean system. Alcatel haven't added uh, too much to the operating system, so it's a really smooth Android experience. The Alcatel Go Play, it's going to be available from early May from leading retailers, including Kmart, I've been told, and Harvey Norman, all the usual suspects, but Kmart is going to stock it as well. You can read our full review at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenning. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. And they're introducing the Arlo Q. This is an AC-powered 1080p HD camera with audio and enhanced night vision that lets you see and hear in perfect detail. Arlo Q is designed to deliver the best experience indoors. So it comes with two-way audio so you can listen and talk back and forth. That means you can pop in to see how things are going at home while you're out. You can set motion alerts to let you know if anything moves and use seven days of free cloud encodings to store a video record of events online. Arlo, it's got every angle covered. For more information, visit arlo.com slash au. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. 
the tech god helped us this week, we're going to talk passwords. And how hard is it to remember passwords? It is hard to remember passwords. Well, there's a couple of ideas I've got for you. One is to to try a new password manager. There's lots of apps out there, uh, a lot of a lot of applications that allow you to. It sets passwords for various various apps that you have, various websites you go to, and what the, so that just takes the worry out of having to create passwords and more importantly try to remember those passwords as well. So there are plenty of those. One thing you can't do though is forget the password to the password manager because then you're back to square one. So don't forget, and I'm talking, there's plenty of apps you can download. Just search for password manager in on the Google Play Store, on, on the App Store, and you'll find plenty. But there is another way that you can remember lots of different passwords. And the way to do it is, of course, it might sound stupid, but how to make how to remember a password? You've got to make it memorable. Now, there are several ways you can do this. My tip is... I use this method myself for various pass- passwords that I need to remember. Now, we can associate different sites with different things. For example, one of my passwords is a line out of a movie, one of my favorite movies that I like. So rather than it being the whole line out of the movie, it's an acronym of that line out of the movie. So if your favorite line out of a movie is, I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse, then take the first letter of, it, of that sentence and that can form part of your password. Also throw in, uh, do things like exchanging S's for dollar signs or uh, E's for threes and things like that just to make it interesting. Add some exclamation points to uppercase, lowercase letters. That helps you do it. It might be a line out of a song that you really like. It might be a a, a, a child of yours who's likes playing a certain sport or has achieved something in a certain year. These are little memorable moments in our lives that we can turn into useful password reminders. So uh, if you remember that your your eBay password reminds you of your daughter, then have something that relates to that and have create a memorable password. You might have bought a the copy of The Godfather on eBay one of these days, one of, a long time ago, and that could be a line out of The Godfather might be a way for you to remember your eBay password. Things like that. Your Facebook password, you might come up with something that reminds you of uh, a favorite song of yours or you know, there was a song that you and your wife is sort of relate to as the, the song that you've, you've had your first dance together. Things like that, they help you remember passwords because people are always saying, how do I remember all these different passwords? And what do we do if we don't? People have a habit of creating the same password for all their websites just to make it easy for themselves. The downside of that is that if one of your sites goes, if one of your passwords is cracked, all of your passwords crack. Because let me tell you, cyber criminals, once they crack one of your passwords, they try it on every other account that you own. And guess what? They have a lot of luck cracking all those other sites because people have used the same password. That's a way you can try to remember. People ask me so often, how do I do it? Well, there's a way you can start. So get cracking, trying to create a memorable password. You're listening to Tech Guide. 
And that's our show for this week. You can read about everything we've talked about, of course, at techguide.com.au. And please get in touch with us. Our email, info at techguide.com.au. Special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. It's been great having you with us once again. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. 